Hi there. I uh, didn't expect to be doing this again, ever, but here we are. No more in-person meetings, online only, once again, at least for the near future. If you're wondering why, the leaders of Redeemer found out Saturday morning that one of the people on our campus all this past week was in close proximity with another person for multiple days who is now fully symptomatic with the virus. We have to assume that the person on our campus all week now has the virus as well. Though we don't know yet for sure, and and everyone who's on our campus this past week is going to get tested ASAP, even though none of us have any symptoms either. So because we love you, and because we love the people that you interact with on a regular basis, and out of an abundance of caution, we've, we've quarantined kind of our staff, and we're closing our offices until July 6th, and we are returning to online only, Saturday at 5 p.m., Sunday at 9 a.m. This will last until the elders decide it is safe to regather as a church once again. So if you're a member and, and you attend Redeemer, and this is the first that you are hearing about this, uh, we may need to update your contact info. All right. So um, th- this went out through email. This went out on all our social media platforms, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram. So you may need to subscribe, follow, and like us on all of those platforms. And we may need your email. So you can do that. Info at RedeemerAZ.org. Just let us know your name, your email address. Listen, there, there are three things that we need to all do right now in response to this. The first one is we need to trust, our trust must remain in Jesus. This is his church. He hasn't stopped leading this church. And we believe that, that the decisions of the elders are, are what he wants, are his will for our church. Also, second, please pray for the staff and the leaders of Redeemer. Uh, for wisdom, yes, but also now for our health. It is, it is hard for me to see this as anything other than a spiritual attack to damage our church. And if that's true, then prayer may be our most powerful weapon in this fight. So let's, let's commit all of us to pray. And third, just know that there's nobody more disappointed than the staff and the leaders of Redeemer. I, I already missed regathering right now. I'm in a room with six people in it, a full room, a room that can seat 300. And there are six of us in here now. And so, so I look forward to the, to the day when we can all do this again. This is not ideal. This is not desired. This is not what I wanted to be doing right now. I wanted to be singing right now with all of you. I wanted to hear all of your voices as our worship team would be up here singing praises to the Savior. I wanted to hear your voices right now and enjoy, and join you in that. And it's just unfortunate that the way that, that this, that, that, that things have happened the way that they have. But you know what? At the end of the day, This is evidence of God's goodness and God's sovereignty because nothing happens to his kids apart from his love for us and apart from him accomplishing our highest good through those things. So let's remember that. Let's love each other. Let's support each other. Let's, let's, let's use this as a way to, to connect even more with each other during this difficult time. Listen, no virus, nothing at all stops the mission of the church. We, we just pivot in response to the changing circumstance and then we keep right on going, helping people know, love and serve Jesus. So that's what we're gonna do now. So grab your Bibles and uh, open to Matthew chapter 28. That's Matthew chapter 28. If you got a Bible that we give away here, that's page 926. Matthew chapter eight, drop down to verse 16. And if you are able, wherever you are, please stand for the reading of God's word. Matthew 28, drop down to verse 16. 
Here's God's word for us today. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. That is God's words. You may be seated. And as you are, join me in prayer. Father, these are not the circumstances that I woke up this morning thinking that I was going to be preaching to. And there are many dozens, hundreds of people that were planning on being here tonight who can't be right now, who are watching online. That this was not our plan. This was not our goal. This is not what we wanted. This is what you wanted because this is part of your plan, your will for all of our lives. So we rest in that. We trust you. We pivot and we keep going. Because nothing is going to stop your church. Nothing is going to stop the mission that you've given your church. This is nothing compared to tyrants. This is nothing compared to world wars. This is nothing compared to any of those things. And yet your church always kept going. And so we're going to keep going. And at the same time, we mourn the fact that we can't be together. We long for the day when we can do that again. We pray that that day will come quickly that we will, that, that this will pass and that we will be back together worshiping with no more interruptions ever, ever again. And Father, I know that's not just what we want. So I lift up Hope Covenant Church to you. And Chandler, I pray for Pastor Doug. I, I, we, this was a church that's near to our hearts because we found out a couple years ago that they had a need. And so we went over there and we gave them a check and we said, here, bless your name. A church that we didn't even know, but, but we saw the doctrinal statement. We saw the people and said, hey, let's be a blessing to them. And it just blew them away. God, I pray that you would blow them away again as people are watching their online services, as people are coming to their services this week. They've got at least one, but, but maybe two as, as more people uh, RSVP for it. I just pray that you will bless the preaching of, of Hope Covenant. I pray you will bless Pastor Doug's preaching. I pray you will use it powerfully to advance your will and your ways and your word at that church, that the people who hear the preaching this weekend will be filled with your spirit, that they will be more desirous to live for you and to love you and to serve you because they spent time with you at Hope Covenant Church. Bless them powerfully, I pray, and bless our time in your word now, please, here. In Jesus' name, amen. So look back at verse 20. The mission that Jesus gave his church, which, which we're seeing in the book of Acts as we go through the daily word this week, this mission is not going to be easy. The church would drift from it. And I think Jesus knew that. So he, he bookends the great commission in verse 18 and verse 20 with two realities that, that you and I need to take seriously. The first is that Jesus is with us in the mission Regardless of, of how easy the mission is, regardless of how hard it is, he is with us. Verse 20 at the end, I am with you always. He says, behold. He's like, don't forget this. Make sure you focus on this fact that whether it's in season or out of season, whether it is easy to advance the mission and there's just fruit falling from the trees, people are getting saved and growing by the hundreds or whether it is out of season, whether it is hard to be a Christian in places where they, they despise Christianity, no matter where it is, remember 
I am with you always to the end of the age. The second reality is that the, is that the Great Commission, notice verse 18, that, that is, it is given by Jesus, the one, verse 18, that all authority in heaven on earth has been given to. All authority, not some, not most, all of it. The, the entire heavens and the entire earth, every square centimeter of all of it belongs to Jesus. He is the king over it. So bottom line, the Great Commission is not optional for any Christian. It's not given to pastors only so that non-pastoral Christians can kind of take it or leave it. We all have a part to play in this Great Commission. That is why when this church started to turn around some five years ago, we started with the mission of the church matching the mission that Jesus gave us all here. We, we restated the Great Commission with these words, Redeemer exists to help as many people as possible come to know, love, and serve Jesus. It was a simple and we believed in an accurate restatement of the Great Commission that would make it easy for us to remember and it would make us easy to evaluate the ministries going on here by that mission statement. From there, the elders and I, we, we thought and we prayed and we talked and then we landed on the nine core values that we're going through last week and this week. These are how we're going to carry out the mission. If each of us does our part with these nine core values, we will help people know, love and serve Jesus. It is, it is impossible not to if we do these core values, if we make these core values a part of our lives. Last week, I started walking us through these core values. Last time I did that was February of 2015. Now, now that the church is multiplied by a factor of at least 10, I thought it'd probably be a good idea to look at these core values again. My hope is that just as many of us are resetting our lives, we're getting a chance to reset our church. We kind of like re-reset our church and hopefully we'll re-reset, re-re-reset it again when we regather. But the idea is that we're going to get all of us who, who've come here for the past five years, we're going to get us all on the same page as to why this church is here and what it is that we think as the leaders that, and what we think the Lord wants us to be doing as a church. So I'm used to going through texts like verse by verse, and we'll be back to that next week. But for today, I want to finish up this short series on our core values. So briefly, we looked last week at core value number one, which is we have a high view of God. That God is not your homeboy, your therapist, or your personal ATM. He is God. And the breath in your lungs is there to glorify him, to make him look great with your life because he is great. And, and his greatness is seen in the way that we live our lives and in what we value. Next, we said core value number two. We believe the Bible determines everything. Everything that has to do with eternal life Everything that has to do with living a good life in God's eyes and, with, and everything that has to do with how to lead and do church, all of that is determined. All of that is found in the Bible. The Bible has every single thing we need for those things. Third, we promote gospel centrality, which is just a fancy way of saying whether it's salvation or growth after salvation, what we need is the gospel, the message of salvation in Jesus. We never grow beyond the gospel. We just grow deeper in the gospel as Christians. And, and fourth, we concluded last week with core value number four. We are committed to biblical preaching. 
to preaching that is expository, which means that it starts with a text, not a felt need, not a political position, not a cultural trend, preaching that starts with a text. It is also preaching that is exegetical, that doesn't just skim across the top of the text, but gets into the details because there's power in the details. This kind of preaching we, we, that we want to do here exalts God and, and it encourages Christians while, while being earnest, while, while taking the truths that we're looking at as seriously as we possibly can because nothing is more real, nothing is more serious than the truths that are found in God's word. Every, every weekend, heaven and hell is on the line. Every weekend, God himself is here amongst his people and we want to take that seriously in the way that we preach. The rest of the core values that we're going to look at today flow out of these first four. Without these four in place, the next five lose their punch. They lose their power. They lose their, their force and they won't be effective. So today we continue with core value number five, which is we depend on God in prayer. Core value number five, we depend on God in prayer. Going back to having a high view of God, we stay underneath him. We maintain the creator-creature distinction in our hearts by praying to him. We verbalize our utter inadequacy and, and his utter adequacy when we pray. We affirm that we are powerless and his power is what we need when we, when we stop talking and we stop strategizing, we stop planning and we, and we just pray. We desire his goals and his plans and his results when we pray. This is one of the reasons why Colossians 4.2 tells Christians, quote, continue steadfastly in prayer. The NIV translates this phrase, devote yourselves to prayer. 1 Thessalonians 5.17, pray without ceasing. Ephesians 6.18, praying at all times. Romans 12.12, 12, being constant in prayer. 1 Timothy 2.8, Paul expressing the heart of God writes, quote, I desire that in every place the men should pray. And if that's true for every man, how true should that be for the elders? Listen, I, I started in, in my first meeting here with the, with the three original elders. And I told them whether it's an elders meeting, a business meeting, didn't matter. We are starting with prayer and we will, we will pray for God's guidance. We'll pray for God's leading. We'll pray for God's blessing. We'll pray for God's, God's will for our decisions. And, and it wasn't just like, hey, just a couple minutes of prayer. No, we're gonna spend concerted, focused effort on prayer. If we prayed for most of the meeting, that would be a great meeting. You see, Redeemer is not a human institution. No church is. The church started supernaturally in Acts chapter two and everything we're trying to do is supernatural. The mission Jesus gave us is, is not humanly possible. None of it is. Helping people know him in salvation is impossible for us to do. Loving him more as we follow his teachings, serving him more in our lives. None of that is ultimately possible for us to do without him. Spiritual results are impossible apart from the spirit of God. Human methods cannot produce spiritual results. Doing God's work God's way, we think, is depending on God to do what only God can do. And we express that dependence through prayer. Only God can save. Ultimately, only God can mature and grow us spiritually. If God doesn't do those things, we, don't, we, we may have a huge church, nice building, lots of program, but God is not in any of it. That, that we don't want that at all. I remember the early days of this church and, and between the Lord and me, I would pray. And I remember praying multiple times, God, I wanna turn the church around in such a way 
that it is obvious to anybody watching that you did it. I, I knew that was, that was not gonna happen. I knew that that would not be possible unless we prayed and we prayed and we prayed some more. So we verbalize that dependence. We express that dependence by praying to the only one who can accomplish the results that we wanna see here. So we rely on God to do among us what we cannot do. The bottom line is prayerless churches are prideful churches and we don't want that. If, if we really believe God does it all, then we'd show that by praying more. There's a, a meme going around right now on social media, a quote from Spurgeon that, that says, "Here, the, the, the surest way to be a dead church is to be a prayerless church. And we don't want that here. We didn't just do that. We didn't just pray in our crisis moments. And that continues to this day. What we call it staying behind Jesus. He is the senior pastor. He is the chief shepherd. Our job as leaders is identical to our job as Christians, which is to follow Jesus. We stay behind him by doing what he says in his word, by praying for his wisdom, by, by, by crying out for his leadership, by committing to his will, not our own, by waiting on him for his guidance before we act. And we do that primarily through prayer. In the end, this is his church, not ours. He died for it. He leads it. Our job is to stay behind him. So prayer should mark every ministry we do here, every single one. In it, we're praying for his will to be done, his work to be accomplished. That started in our elders meeting. Once a week, we would meet just devoted to prayer. Then it moved to weekly prayer meeting where, where two or three of us would, would meet on Mondays, I think it was, and we would just pray. We went from there to, to making prayer a weekly emphasis in our growth group so that instead of one prayer meeting, there were then a dozen prayer meetings, meeting all over our valley where, where we would pray multiple times a week. Then we added a prayer team now that has dozens and dozens of people that pray for the requests that come in. A monthly prayer meeting on the third Thursday of every month when we were meeting where people would meet on that third Thursday and pray, which, which during the pandemic became our pastoral prayer time Tuesday at 2 p.m. on Facebook Live. Now there are literally thousands of people who meet from all over the world to pray with us and to pray for the things that, that people submit. We, we even have people leave comments on the comments card that say things like, we're, they're, they're surprised at how much we actually pray. And my hope is that that just continues to expand because as prayer expands in the church, what we're saying is, God, we want you. We want you to be involved. We want this ministry to be yours. Get us out of the way so that all that people see is Christ in us because he is all that matters. And if we're not praying, we're prideful. And if we're prideful, the focus comes on us. And if the focus comes on us, we are in a terrible, terrible place. So we wanna be a praying church. We wanna depend on God in prayer. So from, from prayer, where we're reaching up to God, we move to core value number six, where we're reaching out to people. So core value number six, we strive to be others focused. We strive to be others focused. This is just a long way of saying love should mark Christian churches. And love, at least the agape kind of love, is, is to work for what's best for the other person. The gospel is a message of love. So as Christians, we're to be people of love. This is Matthew twenty two thirty nine, 39, loving your neighbor as yourself, which means giving other people the same kind of priority that we give ourselves. This is Paul 
saying to the church in Philippi, quote, I know that I will remain and continue with you all. Translation, I'm going to stay alive. I'm not gonna die. I don't think my imprisonment is gonna mean my death. He says, I'm going to stay on. I'm gonna continue, listen, for your progress and joy in the faith. Church ministry exists for the spiritual benefit of other people. The writer to the letter of Hebrews put it this way. He said, quote, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good deeds. That word consider means to ponder, to plan, give attention to, to think about. And listen, listen what we're supposed to to be thinking about. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good deeds. So we're to to think about, pray about, ponder how to help other people, the the people that we interact with at our church, we're, we're to ponder how can I be a blessing to them to help them further sanctification in their love for other people and further their good works. The church is has been called the only organization that exists for its non-members. Now, now that's not entirely true, but there is a lot of truth to that. We strive to do ministry. So we strive to do ministry that, that has the world around our church in mind. So we're not happy with being inward focused, us four, no more, shut the door, we have our core. We're not interested in that at all. For me, the, an inward focus was the main reason why this church was on life support. When I got here, I did an exercise with the elders back then to determine the the actual mission of the church versus what they had on their website. Because I was like, if if what's going on in your church matches what's going on in your website, this place is exploding. And it wasn't. And so we had to figure things out. And after a couple hours of doing this exercise, talking, talking through this with them, they came to the realization at the end of it that their actual mission statement was not what was on that website, but their actual mission that they were actually fulfilling. They said in their own words, our church exists to make our members comfortable and happy. And it was in that moment that they realized our church is dying. And we had to stop everything right there. And they needed to pray and they needed to ask for forgiveness because at the, at the center of the church had become the people and not Christ and the gospel and those who need to hear it. So that is, that is the sign that the church is dying and it cares far more about itself than it does about lost people and the next generation. The quickest way to kill all the health in a church is to become self-centered, inward, me-focused, everyone demanding their way, their comfort, their preferences are king. Everybody else must bow down to that. No, we exist for the good of the people around us whether that's our family, our neighbors, our jobs, our schools, even our church. When we are the, when, when, when we are the church and our goal is to be the church, to be God's people wherever we live, work, study, play. And as we do that, we are taking on the, the attitude and the actions of our Savior who came not to be served, but to serve. He saw himself as existing for the benefit of other people. And that's how we should all be. Christians are a sent people. Jesus praying to his father, John 17, 18, said, quote, as you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. Yeah, there might be overseas missionaries right now watching, or, or, um, but, but listen, Jesus said, go and make disciples. That means he's, he's calling on you to be a missionary, where, where, you, where you are already going every day. Missionaries exist for the good of others, which means Redeemer exists for the good of others too. 
the, the highest good, which is helping as many people as possible know, love, and serve Jesus. So it's asking ourselves, it's asking God, why am I here in my neighborhood, at my job, at my school, in my development, on my block, at my church? Listen, this is, this is not me implementing an evangelism program. This is Redeemer being a church with a thousand missionaries. Where, where, where all the places we go, the places we live and work, study, play, worship, where everywhere we go, all of those places, God has strategically placed you not to be focused on yourself, but to focus on how to advance the mission of Christ to those people. Even our growth groups are encouraged to have at least two others focused projects a year where, where, where they're out in the community being the church. We've done so many of these things, it's hard to count. On talk of stocking food banks and restocking pregnancy centers and fighting abortion and child abuse and drug addiction, as well as dozens of others, others focused projects these past five years. And the, the goal is that that continues and continues with a flood. I remember when, when we, one of the, the, one of the things that, that I, I was asking the elders in those early days, I asked them, so, so who, would, who would notice if you guys decide that God wants you to fold this church up and, uh, and end it, who would notice in the community? And, and, and they, they drop their heads like nobody. There, there may be a mission, you know, in Mexico, but other than that, nobody in this community would even know it if this church closed. Guys, that's, that, that's because the church had become inward focused. And so others focused, focusing on other people, seeing ourselves as existing for the benefit of other people, that's just simply agape love. That's just simply the kind of love that Jesus came here and showed us. None of that can happen without core value number seven. We serve sacrificially. We serve sacrificially. Our, our, our engagement with, with people that we, we live and work, study, play, and worship around is selfless. It's putting our preferences our opinions, our desires down for the good of those that Jesus wants to help know, love, and serve him. On top of that, since we belong to him, since, since we are a people for his own possession, according to Titus 2.14, that means we own nothing. Our time belongs to him. Our talents, our skills, our abilities belong to him. Our treasure, our money, our possessions, all of it belongs to him. We are not owners. We are stewards. We're managers. We're, we're overseers of the time and the talent and the treasures that he's loaned us and that we will give an account for how we used. So Jesus gave each of you, his followers, the great commission. First Corinthians 12, seven says, each of us has been given a ministry. Ephesians 4, 16 says, you have a part in the ministry God is doing to add people to and to strengthen the people in a local church. So that could, be, that could not be any more different than the, than the, the phrase, the common, the common idea that, that 20% of the people are doing 80% of the work. That was Redeemer before the turnaround. Others, others can do most of the ministry while most of the people sat around, watched, criticized, and didn't pitch in. No, this value means 100% of the people who call a church their home are doing 100% of the work that, that the church has been given by the Lord to do. 
Of course, there are extenuating circumstances that, that put some people on the bench for a little while and others, they, they can't do what they want to do. We get that. We, we know there's all those kinds of things. But in general, in, in total, there are jobs to do in every local church, even, even during a pandemic, but especially when we get back to normal. Each of you has been placed into the church with a ministry. And so the question is, are you doing it? Are you doing it? Are, are, you, are, are you doing it where, where God is using you to minister, to be a blessing and a benefit to other people? See, all of us have to see ourselves as players on the court, players on the field. We, none of us can see ourselves as fans in the stands. We're not. This is, this is seeing yourself as an employee in the business, not, not a shareholder of a business, disconnected from the day-to-day operations, like I better get what I want, and if I don't, I'm gonna sell my stocks and, and go somewhere else. The verse is connected to this value, create an expectation that while there's a church of a thousand missionaries, there's also a church of a thousand ministers. There's no one waiting to be asked, but we just, because we just all know my time, my talents, my treasure, all of it belongs to the Lord and he's given it to, to me in order to advance his mission in the world. And much of that mission will be done through your local church. This is find a need and fill it. This is don't wait for someone to ask you. This is volunteer to be put to work and then stick to your commitment. Not because you have to, but because you get to. Think about it. Jesus died for the church. He gave his his life for the church. So it's no small thing for us to give some of our time and our talents and our treasures to advance the work that that Jesus gave his life for. That's That's really all it is. Jesus, the church was valuable to you. So valuable, you left heaven, came here, and died in order to save her. And so, she's, so she is valuable. She is worth spending some of our lives to advance the mission through her. All of this, by the way, should be especially true of you if you're a member here at Redeemer. In a church where core value number seven is a commitment each person attending Redeemer has, it makes core value number eight easy to see and experience. Core value number eight is we cultivate genuine community. In other words, we we want our lives to be interconnected where, where, where somebody knows you. Genuine community where for the 49 one another's in the New Testament can and, and are happening regularly in your life and through your life. Jesus' death not only connected us to God, but his death also connects us to each other. We are, we are bricks in the temple of God, cemented together, housing the glory of God, the spirit of God, Ephesians 2.2. We are members together in the family of God, Ephesians 2.19. And we are members in the body of Christ, as seen in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Everyone is connected to each other like the different limbs and sections of our bodies are connected together. We're all connected by the same spirit living inside each of us, every one of us, if we're born again. Everyone has a function that that we're to do, just like all the parts of our bodies have a function that they're meant to accomplish. Makes the body healthy, takes the body where it needs to go, which is is true for for Christians, that as we function, as, as we put into practice the things that I've been talking about in the previous core values. That, that is how the mission of Jesus in this world is advanced as we're interconnected and using the gifts that God's given us in order to advance the ministry. That happens as our lives are connected to each other. Everyone needs everyone here to perform their function for our church to be healthy, to function properly, to fire on all cylinders. In other words, if this is your church and you're not serving with your time, talents, and treasures, then there's sin in your life. 
Everyone should be so connected that, that nobody suffers alone. Everyone should be so connected that no one rejoices alone. The goal is that this is a place where people know you and that you know people, that, that, that no one shuffles in late, bolts after the closing song and is never talked to. We do not encourage anybody to be a Lone Ranger. We, we don't encourage anybody to be anonymous. So, so when you're not here, the hope is that somebody misses you. The hope is somebody go, hey, did you see so-and-so? No, I didn't. Hey, let's give them a call. Why? Because our lives are connected. Because God's spirit is in each of us and, and he connects our lives and, and he deepens our relationships. So, so beyond that too, when you think about the gospel, think about the gospel for a minute. In order to become a Christian, doesn't all of us, don't we all have to admit that, we're, that, that, that we have not met our own standards, let alone God's standards? That we have fallen woefully short, that we are sinners. So, so coming to church, interconnectedness depends on us being humble and being honest about what's going on in our lives. And you know what? The gospel allows us to do that. And the gospel allows us to create an environment here where our lives are interconnected and it's healthy and it's strong and it's powerful. Because at the core of our relationships is the love that we see in the gospel. That's the hope. So you are, you are saved into a community of people. You weren't just saved by yourself, you and God, and that's it. You were saved into a community of other saved people that are doing life together, all ages, all ethnicities, all socioeconomic groups, everyone, all of us together, connected, not letting anything that the world tells us, this should be a barrier to you. No barriers, nothing, because we are unified by the Spirit, because we are in Christ. This means that if you're not connected Reaching, reaching out and, and interacting with people on our Facebook and YouTube chats, right? And if you're floating around, like I, I go to that church, but I don't know anybody. Reach out to somebody. Like even on Facebook and YouTube right now, reach out. Say, hey, this is me. This is me. I, I want to get to know people. Maybe, maybe I'm, I haven't visited the church yet, but I want to. <clears throat> well, uh, can, can, I, can I connect with some? Maybe you're, you are connected here. And it's not about you going, okay, I got my worship in. I got my Bible in. Okay, I'm good to go. no. It's not just looking straight at the preacher. It's looking to either side going, God, who do you want me to connect with here? Who, who are the people that, 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 that you want to enhance my life and you want to use my life to be a blessing to? This is so countercultural because we go to stores, we go everywhere going, okay, I got this that I want and I'm going to get it as quick as I can. And if I don't get it, if there's no problem or if there is a problem, then, I, then I'm going to freak out. no. No, we, we put our preferences, we, we put ourselves down in order to be a blessing, in order to connect with the people around us. That's the goal of the church. It's making a concerted effort to get connected to people here if this is your church. It means getting connected to our ministries, which is how a lot of interconnection starts. You're, you're doing ministry side by side people and you've got the same desires and the same goals. And, and, and that ministry that you do together that advances not only the ministry, but it connects you at a, at a heart level. This brings us to our ninth and final core value. We advance shepherd leaders. We advance shepherd leaders. The kind of people we want on staff as elders and as pastors are shepherds. Shepherds are um, kind of people who genuinely care about other people, who can, who can feed God's people, God's word, 
who can lead God's people into God's will and who can protect people from false teachers. That's a shepherd. That's a leader in, in the church. They're not in ministry for themselves. They don't see the church as a, as a ticket to more influence. They are saved to serve, and that's what they do. You're still in Matthew. Turn to Matthew chapter 20. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 20. Starting in verse 20 of Matthew chapter 20, <clears throat> this passage, we need to see what this passage discourages and what it encourages. So take a look. Let's look first at the context. Verse 20. Then the mother, the sons of Zebedee came up to him, came up to Jesus with her sons and kneeling before him, she asked him for something. And he said to her, what do you want? She said to him, say that these two sons of mine are to sit one at your right hand and one at your left in your kingdom. There's so much manipulation going on here that I can't talk about, but it is, there's all kinds, she is manipulating him. Jesus answered, you do not know what you are asking. You just don't know. She, and then he says, are you able to drink the cup that I'm to drink? They said to him, we are able. <laughs> they had no idea. He said to them, you will drink my cup. But to sit at my right hand and at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared by my father. Verse 24. And when the 10 heard it, so the 10 hear this conversation and notice how they respond. They were indignant at the two brothers. And when you, you put the context of the, of the other disciples together, they're indignant because they wanted those seats. Now, what we see from the context is that you cannot be a shepherd leader without being humble. This was not a humble ask. These guys, we can drink your cup. Translation, we can drink the cup of God's wrath. And Jesus is like, we, we get to the Garden of Gethsemane. He's like, I don't want to drink this cup. And these two are like, oh, we can do it. Easy, no problem. No, you can't. No, you can't. And, but they would drink the cup of wrath in the sense that they would both be martyred or suffer terribly for the gospel. So first, you can't be a shepherd leader without being humble. So then Jesus drills down into this point. This, this scene is just thick with pride. Imagine that. Imagine that. Okay, these disciples are arguing because all of them want to sit in those two set places on Jesus' either side. They think they deserve it. So into, the, into Jesus' students who are jockeying for the best positions in his kingdom. Verse 25, Jesus called them to him and said, you know the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their great ones exercise authority over them. We'll stop there. Jesus rebukes their sinful hearts and said that at the same time, he's training them in what leadership in his kingdom, in his church, what that should look like. He asked them to reflect on the Gentile governments that ruled over them, which was a constant source of anger for the Jews. That word lorded over speaks of an authority that leads to oppression. It's a kind of ruling down on people. Exercise authority is a strong word that one scholars translate uh, to play the tyrant. So their prideful hearts are well on the way to turning them into tyrant leaders, the kind of leaders that everybody hates, the kind of leaders that they wish they could be free from. He says, you are on your way to becoming just like that. They are important, not those who, not those who they lead. Their pride, their role, their authority, their honor is what matters. People exist to serve them. They are, they are celebrated, 
not, not the ones that they lead. They, they are self-serving and everyone else better serve them too. And if they don't, oppression and tyranny follows. Now look at the major contrast in verse 25. Notice what Jesus says. <clears throat> it shall not be so among you. A person with a humble heart while having some measure of authority, uses it for the benefit of others. So, so people who are, who are jockeying for self-importance, not that way among you. People seeking self-honor, it is not this way among you. People wanting to be celebrated and noticed and, and praised, it is not that way among you. People acting in self-service, everybody existing to serve them, it is not that way among you. People who are selfish, it is not to be that way amongst Jesus' leaders in the church is not to be that way. Notice, notice the way it is to be. Verse 26, whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. The paradox, right? The greatness in the kingdom comes when you serve everybody else. In contrast to our, to our own natural desire as sinners, in contrast to worldly management styles, the Christian leader's greatness goes up as his service of everybody goes up. We value those people who get in the elevator of ministry at our church and press B for the basement because that is where leaders start and that is where leaders stay underneath everybody else. Greatness first comes from being, verse 26, a servant, a helper, it's used of one who did menial labor like washing dishes, bussing tables, cleaning, all the jobs that nobody else wants to do. No training, no skill, no degree, the lowest level of hired help. And then notice verse 27, greatness in the kingdom is seen in being a slave. Notice to everybody. The slave is lower than a servant. This is a demeaning job because he has no personal motives, no personal actions. He is singularly devoted to the will of his master because he belongs to his master. The greatest slave is the one who destroys his will so that he only does the will of his master. And notice who the master is in verse 27. It's a slave of everybody, everybody. Become like the lowest in your society, he's saying to them. No personal rights, no personal desires, no authority, total service to everybody. So you want to be first, he's saying to them. You, you want to be great, you want to lead. You may want to lead, but few leaders want to lead the way that Jesus says here. Most don't. Are you willing to be unnoticed for the sake of others? Are, are you willing to be unappreciated for the sake of others? Are you willing to give up your rights, give up your privileges so that your life can be used to bless and help other people know, love, and serve Jesus? That only happens if you are humble. That only happens if you are self-giving, not self-serving. That only happens as you shun glory, shun adulation, shun attention, and self-service, and you simply exist to bless others. The kind of leaders we want to value here are the best servants who lay themselves aside, who are willing to go the extra mile, to stay the extra hour, to pay the extra dollar, to see God work in people's lives. Valuing servant leadership creates an expectation of humility, of killing the kind of pride and self-centeredness that would make our mission, our core values here at Redeemer impossible. You think about it, none of these exist 
to advance us. All of them exist to love God and to love people. The leaders we want here embody everything we've been seeing these past two weekends. These, these people will become slaves to everyone in the hopes that some of them will come to know love and serve Jesus. In short, they will be like the greatest person who ever existed. Verse 28, greatest person ever. Even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Do not let the contrast that Jesus set up here in this verse escape you because the contrast could not be any sharper. The son of man is an extremely significant figure in Daniel chapter seven. He, he enters God's court, courtroom, goes right into the presence of God and God gives him, quote, dominion, glory, and a kingdom that all people, nations, and men of every language might serve him, might serve the son of man. Jesus is the son of man, the one who will be served by every human being who has ever existed. Everyone will bow their knee to Jesus and Jesus alone. And he says the greatness of the son of man is not that everybody serves him, but that he serves everybody. There is no better example of a humble heart who gives his life to serve everybody but himself than Jesus. And he says in this text, you wanna lead? Lead like me. He serves by sacrificing, by giving, quote, his life as a ransom for many. The king of the universe, think about this, gives up heaven, takes on a permanent body, dies the cruelest death imaginable at the time and maybe even to this day, all to serve others. All mankind were slaves to sin, held captive to sin, totally unable to set themselves free from sin and doomed to destruction for their sins forever. A ransom is the price paid for freedom. And in our case, it is freedom from being a POW to sin, death, judgment, and hell. Jesus serves by giving his life in exchange for theirs. His life pays the price needed to get all those who would repent of their sins and trust in Christ, get them out of slavery forever. He lets no selfish ambition, no haughtiness, no self-centeredness, get in his way. This is the God of the universe giving everything for the good of others. So leaders, we want to see ourselves as the the bottom of an upside down pyramid where where everyone else is above the leader and they exist to, to serve everybody else by helping them know Christ in salvation and love and serve him after salvation. As the lead pastor, I'm I'm at the very point of that that pyramid at the very bottom, that I exist to serve everybody else. All of the staff, the pastors, the elder, the staff, everybody, I, I exist to serve them and serve them in such a way that they become either saved or they become greater lovers of Jesus or better servers of Jesus in the ministry and the life that he's given them. Listen, pastors exist to be a blessing to you not the other way around. You do not exist to be a blessing to them. And I know, I know, I know there are texts that say we should, and so I'm not, I'm not contradicting those texts. I'm taking the truth here that said leaders are servants and the best of leaders are slaves and the very best of leaders is Jesus himself who gave everything to save all who would come to faith in him. 
Service, humility, sacrifice, others focused. Those are the kinds of people we want leading in our church, serving on our staff, serving in our ministries. So I'm sure you can see something that's, that's just obvious in all of these values, right? If you think about all of the values that we've looked at last time and this time, there's nothing really special or extraordinary about any of them, are there? It's actually just ordinary Christianity in a nine-part list. And it's a list that is determined by and also modeled by the founder of Christianity, just Jesus himself. If you look at those values, Jesus embodies them best. And this, this is why we named this church Redeemer Bible Church. We wanted a title for Jesus to actually be in our name so that that name would remind us why we exist and who it is that we exist for. That we exist merely to do what Jesus said, what Jesus did, and nothing more than that. So I hope you've heard these nine values and and something inside of you has resonated with them and you're saying, I'm in, that's the kind of church I want. Those are the the values that I wanna help see uh, come out of a church. Sign me up, put me in coach, I'm ready to play. And if that's you, please email me. Please let me know, info at redeemeraz.org info at redeemeraz.org. We want to know who you are and see how we can connect you to the work that God is already doing here. Even though the pandemic is slowing us down for a little bit, you can slow us down, but nothing can stop the work that God is doing here. Nothing, no pandemic. Five and a half years ago, when, when I did a modified version of this series, I ended the last message with these words, quote, if these nine values create the culture of our church, it will make this one extraordinary place to be. I had no idea what God, and let me emphasize that, what God was going to do with those nine values. I had no idea what he was gonna do with our mission, but I can tell you this, I'm excited to see what he's gonna do in the next five years with them. If they're anything, if the next five years are anything like the last five years, Buckle up, let's go. This, this is gonna be one incredible ride. And, and here's the incredible part about it. Is in five years from now, maybe, all of us together, we will look at what the Lord has done and we will stand amazed that he would use us, sinners like us, to advance his perfect mission, to, to advance the values that his word tells us to advance, that he would use us to do that and then one day, as, we're, as we, 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 we lay our heads down to rest that final time and we, our eyes open in heaven and we see Jesus, in that moment, these values, this mission statement will help that moment to be one where, where you see, see Christ. And because of what you've accomplished with the life that he's given you, he will say, well done, good and faithful servant. That's the hope, that's the goal. I love you, I miss you. Let's pray. Jesus, that's the hope. That's the hope that we're all getting ready for that moment. I know we, we say that and we wanna hear that, but saying, hearing that from you depends on everyday decisions that we make to choose to, to advance your cause, to advance your will in this world and and in our lives. And so 
I, I don't know what your will is, Jesus, for this church in the next five years. I, I know that what you've done the last five years, I never could have dreamed of. And what's happened in the last five years doesn't need to happen in the next five years. You could do something else. It doesn't matter. At the end of the day, all we want to do is be faithful to what you want us to do as a church. And we believe with all of our hearts that these values are the values that you've used to, to do the work that, that we've been experiencing here. And so I pray for, for everybody watching. I pray that you would, you would help each of us to, to understand how is it that you want us to connect with the ministry that you're doing here. Maybe we're, we're already a member. So we're already advancing that. We're, we're already a part of that. That's great. Maybe we're struggling and, we, and we, we're, we're attending. We're not sure if we're gonna be a member. Maybe we're just kicking the tires. We don't even know. We're just kind of watching and seeing, is this the kind of church that I wanna be a part of? God, people watch, or it's, I'm on the other side of the world and, and God help me find a church that, that embodies some of these things. God, I don't, I don't know where all the people are that are watching this right now, but I know you do. And I know these are things that you want all of us as Christians to be a part of. So I pray that you would use these values in my life. I pray you would use these values in the life of our church, to the life of those people watching right now. I pray that you would use them to mold us and shape us really into people that look like you because your life is all about these things. Please, at the end of the day, we just wanna be like you. We wanna do what you want us to do. We like, like David, fulfill our role in this generation. Duke, accomplish the work that you had for us in our generation and then go home. Preach the gospel, die and be forgotten. Let us do that so that the world knows not our name, but that they know your name, your matchless, wonderful, beautiful name. It's in your name that I pray, Jesus. Amen. Hey, thanks for watching Redeemer Live. If you're new to the ministry and you wanna know more, make sure that you follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, even on YouTube. On YouTube, you can subscribe, you can hit a little button, and every single time some new video is posted, it'll show up on your cell phone. So make sure you do that. If you have any needs that you want us to know about, whether you want us to pray for you, or even if we can help meet those needs, make sure that you write this email down, info at redeemeraz.org. That way you can communicate with our team and our team can do whatever we can to help you. Now, make sure that you join us next time for another episode of Redeemer Live.